most of us decided that's the kind of person that we want to be. We want to be blessed. We want to, to be that kind of a person. Instead of the alternative that we looked at, which was like chaff, blown away by the wind, worthless, of, of no value and no importance. I, like I said, I hope that all of us want to be like that first one that we looked at last week, the one who is blessed. But you'll recall that there were certain things, certain descriptors about how they became blessed or why they were blessed, why they were so happy. Anybody remember what some of those are? Blessed is the man who does not sit in the seat of the scornful, nor stand in the way of sinners, do what? nor walk in the counsel of the ungodly. We got them backwards, but that's okay. We got, we got all three of them. Okay, but instead, what does he do? He does something else. Okay. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. We're going to be looking at Psalm 119, and, and really, I think that these two pair very well. Now, they're, they're not connected individually by themselves, but, but when we look at Psalm chapter 1, and we see that to be blessed, we need to love God's word, we need to delight in it, we need to meditate on it. When we get to Psalm 119, we find someone who has done that. Someone who, who truly loves and desires God's word, who has dug into it, who has spent time. I gave you just a moment to think about how would you describe ice cream. And I'm guessing if you sat and pondered, you could get at least a dozen, maybe 20 different ways. And yet, as I said, this guy, he goes through and he has over 100 ways to describe how valuable, how important, how precious God's word is. This morning, it's my goal to start off with some general information. Um, we're going to talk about what's in Psalm 119. We're going to break down some of the specific words. That's what that handout uh, that Paul was passing out is about. We're going to kind of dig into that um, and then look at some of the ideas that are conveyed. And then after that, I'm going to actually read through the entire Psalm 119. Now, I know that Psalm 119 is very long. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. But I think that there's value in reading it, in looking at it, and understanding it. Um, in fact, you'll recall when we were looking at 1 Timothy 4.13, it said, give yourself to the public reading of Scripture. And, and there is some cultural aspect to that in which people didn't have their own copies, they weren't able to read it themselves, and so there was, there, there was that aspect where they were merely helping them hear the word at all. But I also believe that there is value in reading publicly and announcing and letting it be known what the Word of God is. In fact, I've got a few verses, if you go to the next slide, I've got a few verses that list out this idea of read out or let it be known, proclaim, oops, sorry, next one, proclaim God's Word, read it in such a way that people hear the Scriptures. <clears throat> and so we are, we are going to take the time necessary to read through Psalm 119. I'll leave that up for a little while so that you guys can, can make note of those. I'm not going to read through all of those. But one, as I mentioned, um, we're going to dig into just some of the general ideas about Psalm 119 as we get started. One of the first and the most obvious is it is an alphabetic song. Um, it's written in 22 stanzas of eight verses each. And so each of those 
verses within the stanza start with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. That's why I went ahead and provided you with a copy of the Hebrew alphabet. Now, for those of you who've done some study and some uh, digging in, or if you were paying attention to the song that I had played, you'll notice that there's actually a few that are missing here. And that's, that has to do with the way that letters are pronounced and the, the way that it's written and things of that nature. So don't get too confused by that. There are a couple of letters that are duplicated um, because they'll make either a hard sound or a soft sound when they're pronounced, things like that. Nothing to, to really get hung up on. Um, I've included the 22 that are the base letters, which is what Psalm 119 is built off of. And so most Bibles, if you, if you open it up, you'll look at it, and it starts off in, in verse 1, it says Aleph. Well, that's the first letter. And in Hebrew, every single verse in that section, in those eight verses, starts with Aleph. Now, we don't get that in English. It, there's, there's no way to translate it like that. But um, I, I find it fascinating, the skill and the, the effort that went in to make an alphabetic poem like that. And so, just because I'm kind of strange that way, I decided, you know what, I'm going to give it a try myself. Have you ever paused and tried to write your own psalm? Write your own way of just expressing to God something that's on your heart. I think it's a, a useful uh, thing to practice, to, to try. Now, no, I'm not going to uh, read to you the attempt that I made, um, but I did try and use our alphabet, the English alphabet, to make a psalm. And it, it starts off, you know, amazing are the ways of God, beautiful are his deeds, crazy are people that don't follow him. I, I'm not a poet, obviously. But it was a good exercise, at least to me, to, to stop, to pause, and to think about how do I express the value of who God is? I've also got, if you'll go to the next slide, see Psalm 119 is not the only psalm that does this alphabetic style and idea. These are a bunch of other ones. Now, you'll notice that there are, there are two of them that are doubled. Uh, psalm 9 and 10 together make a, an alphabetic. They use the Hebrew alphabet to start different sections. And then Psalm 111 and 112 as well. But if you, if you go through those and you start looking at them, it's one of the techniques that the psalmists used to be able to express the ideas that they wanted to share. And they, they just use the Hebrew alphabet to be able to do that. Now, obviously, you don't have to learn Hebrew to be able to get the value out of those. Don't, please don't think that I'm saying you have to go back and you have to learn the entire language and all of that. But as you use resources and tools and dig in and you start to understand more and more about the original languages, you get a bigger, bigger and broader picture a greater understanding of how they crafted these songs to be able to, to teach people, to be able to help them understand things. If you, if you remember back to last week, I used a painting as an example, and I helped you, you understand, you know, it's, it's just a beautiful artwork. But then as you learn more about it, as you understand more about it, it, it just opens up and becomes more and more and more beautiful. Well, by understanding some of these things about the languages, I think that we get a broader picture, a better and bigger picture of how 
these, these psalmists were trying to convey, sometimes to kids, sometimes to adults, the beauty and the glory and the majesty of who God is. One of the things that, that is important uh, as we dig into sections of Scripture is to consider the authorship. Now, obviously, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. You guys remember that. If, we've, if you've been to Sunday school, we quote that periodically because there's so much in Scripture to understand and to learn, and it all comes from God. But God did use human authors to be able to uh, convey these ideas and these messages to us. And as I mentioned last week, one of the things about the Psalms is that many of them, most of them, are man's response back to God based on who he is and what he's done and the, his word that he has given to us. And so keep in mind that these are, are men answering back or, or telling God back the things that he has already told them. <clears throat> The authorship on this one isn't necessarily known. Um, it is likely from David. It's likely one of his, but we don't, we don't know that for sure. It's not really that important that we know specifically who wrote this particular psalm. Um, though tradition surrounds it, and, and there are some who think that David probably wrote this as a way to help teach the alphabet, but not just the alphabet, that, that building block, that foundation of language and learning, but also to help teach the foundation of learning who God is. We started off back in Psalm chapter 1, blessed is the one who delights in the law, who meditates on God's word. Well, how better to do that than to proclaim all of the things that we're going to find about the law of God, about the word of God, about this passion, this intensity, this desire for God's word. Uh, there's a lot, like I said, there's a lot of tradition surrounding uh, Psalm 119. It is used in Jewish tradition to celebrate Rosh Hashanah, which is the, the Jewish New Year. So they will actually quote it or read it every single year to remind themselves of how valuable, how important God's word is. Psalm 119, as I mentioned, is, is very long. I, I write up a uh, handout that I give to some of the ladies and different ones who are wanting to be able to, to pre-study in preparation for Sunday. And I gave them one, and talking to some of those ladies, they were like, we could have spent a, an entire hour just on one section or just on one concept. And that's true. That is definitely true. As, as I mentioned uh, last week, one of my goals, my goal is not necessarily to exposit everything that's in this, but to open your eyes to the, to the beauty and the passion that the, the psalmists had and, and hopefully to spark in us that same desire, that same, um, that same love of God's word and what he has, has given to us. Psalm 119 is full of so much. In fact, um, there was one person, one Puritan preacher that wrote about Psalm 119, made it their, in essence, doctoral dissertation. And he didn't just write one book. He wrote a three-volume set about Psalm 119. Uh, he wrote in excess of 1,600 pages, over 190 chapters on this one psalm. 
So, like I said, we are not going to be able to draw everything out of it in just one hour sermon. We're not, we're not going to be able to get everything from it. My hope, my goal, is that you will recognize what's there and that passion, that desire, that love for God's word. And that in the weeks ahead, you would actually go back and read through it and take a section and just meditate on it ponder on it. When, when we read through it, we're going to see certain things and then go back and, and refresh your mind about those ideas and about those concepts. Now, in order to understand this, uh, like I said, I am going to read through the entire thing, but there are a couple of words uh, that come up over and over and over again. And so I want to prep you for those so that you understand what are we talking about, what's going on. That's what this handout was for. Um, if you want a copy of this, let, um, let Paul know. He'll make sure that you get one. Um, I will have the information up on the, the screen so that we can go through. There are nine key words that are going to come up over and over and over several times, and they're used to describe how God interacts with mankind, how God has revealed himself to humanity. The first one is Torah. It is the law. And so in, in English, we're going to see it come up several times, and it, it's just typically translated as law. The idea is Torah or the teachings or the directions that God has given. In Psalm 119, it's used 25 times, and it means um, that idea of to teach or to direct. It's used primarily in reference to the books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the first five books. Those are, are frequently referred to as the Torah, and they're the law. They're the directions that God has given to man. This is one of the primary ones, and I've included a verse uh, for you to, to ponder, to look at, and where that word is used in this context. I'm not going to turn to all of those this morning for sake of time, but I, that's why I've given you the handout to look at. Um, <clears throat> the next one is Dabar. It is the word. Um, this one's used 24 times, and it gives the idea of the spoken word, the, the fact that God has spoken to or revealed himself to mankind. In essence, it is the sum of that which is spoken. And then, again, there's a couple of verses that you can take a look at to see how that's used and how that's uh, referenced in Scripture and how they talk about the Word of God. The next one is mishpat. It's judgments. Now, obviously, if I mispronounce these words, please forgive me. Uh, like I said, my Hebrew was not great, but I, I have a working knowledge sufficient to get myself in trouble. That's about it. <clears throat> mishpat is the judgments of God. This one's used 23 times in Psalm 119. And what it's talking about, what it's focused on, is to judge or to determine, to regulate, as well as the rules that are used for that regulation. And so as we go through Psalm 119, we're going to see that the, the psalmist talks about the law of God. Well, he's, he's talking to, about what God gave to Moses of how they were to direct their lives of what their rules and their instructions and their law was supposed to be. He's also going to be talking about the word of God, the fact that God spoke to his people and let them know certain things about how they're to live, about what they're to do, of different things of that nature. 
But he also is going to praise God for his judgments, this, this determining, this right and wrong. Sometimes it's, it's a less enjoyable aspect, and yet the psalmist is going to praise God for his judgments because the verdict has been given of what is right and what is wrong. The next one that comes up is Edith or Edith. It's the testimonies of God, the testimonies or the instructions of God. This one is used uh, 23 times, and it relates to the idea of a witness, someone that testifies in court. Um, it is in, in Scripture, it's used almost exclusively in regards to the Ten Commandments, and that God gives his Ten Commandments as a witness between man and God. And they are the perfect supreme standard by which they determine, are you right with God or not, the, based on these Ten Commandments. And so it is a witness or a, a testimony either for or against the people. And we'll notice that the psalmist praises God for his testimony that is given. Mizvat is the next one. It's commandments, the instructions, the guidelines, the, the commands that God has given. Um, in the Pentateuch, this word is always used for something that comes from God. So this isn't just a, a generic command that anybody could decree, but these are actually from God that he is giving them uh, these instructions. This word is used 22 times in Psalm 119, um, and it does refer to the laws or the ordinances that are given under God's authority. Now, we recall that God is the supreme authority. He is in charge of all things. So he has the right to make those declarations, to give those commands. Well, we're going to see in a moment as we go through Psalm 119 that when he refers to the commandments, he's praising God for telling him what to do. Hmm, that's an interesting way of viewing instructions. I don't know about you guys, but most of the time I don't like being told what to do. And yet, when it comes from God, we know that it is a perfect, a pure, a righteous command. That even though we may not enjoy them all the time, they are, they are what is best, what is right, what is true. The next one, um, Chog, is a statute, a statute or, or a decree. It's used 21 times, and it, it really refers to like a prescription that is, that is given. Um, it's a decree or an ordinance, um, yeah, a decree or an ordinance, um, and it's derived from the idea of to, to engrave. So it's something that's set in stone, in essence, <clears throat> that's written down and inscribed for them to follow, for them to understand and to, to do. The next one is uh, piquim. It's precepts. This one's used 21 times, and it's a mandate or a command. Uh, for example, the instructions of an officer given to the, the enlisted or of an overseer given to a servant or a slave. That's the, the idea that's conveyed in this one. It is only used in Scripture in the Psalms. Uh, the next one, Imrah, is a synonym to Debar. It, is, it means word, but it's a different word to mean word. Uh, this one's used 21 times, like I said, it's similar, and it refers to speech or statement or the sayings of God. So we have the first one that's like the word of God that he, he proclaims or announces to us, and then this one that is the sayings of God or the, the um, statements that he has made. Were you raising a hand with a question? 
Did I say a different number? Oh, I'm sorry. I, you're right. It's used 19 times. It is similar to Debar. The previous one was used 21 times. Thank you. That, that tells me you're paying attention. Appreciate it, Magnus. <laughs> the, the last one is Derek. It means the way. Now, this one's used 13 times, and it's used in two different ways. Well, in, in multiple ways. Sometimes it's used in referring to God's ways. Sometimes it's used referring to man's ways. So as we read through it, I want you to, to kind of pay attention and, and consider that. Okay, which ones are you saying this way is a good way to go because it's God way, God's ways, and this is my way, or the way that I go, or the path that I take? The idea is the road or the course of life. And it is used in Scripture both figuratively and literally um, as a, a road or a way that people can walk, but also that figurative idea of the, the path of life that we may take and the things that we do with our lives. So uh, here in a little bit, like I said, we are going to be reading through the entirety of Psalm 119. And uh, keep those various words in mind. As they come up, they're going to they're gonna surface over and over again. And I want you to, to be aware of those. Now, when I think of Psalm 119, I want to I give you one more picture, and then we're going to get into actually reading through it. Um, and I, I recognize it's going to take like 20, 25 minutes to read through. So I'm, I'm trying to give you some things to be looking for. Maybe even if, if you're comfortable underlining or making notes in your Bible, that's a good idea to make note of as we go through some of these ideas. But I want to get, leave you with one more picture as we go into Psalm 119. That's a picture of a diamond. Have you ever looked at a diamond and, and considered it? And not, not just the little tiny ones like cheap, uh, young, poor Isaac got for his wife that's only about yay big. But, I mean, we're talking a crystal, like a big one that you can look at, that, that's flawless, that's perfectly cut. And you start looking at it, and the light shines through it, and, and you can look to the side and see all kinds of beautiful light and, and different colors. Even the colorblind ones among us can see those colors in different ways, and it's beautiful. But then you start looking at that diamond, and you turn it, and you look at one facet. Oh, it's, it's so nice. But then you turn it, and you look at a different facet, and it's, it's even more beautiful. And you continue to turn it and rotate it and look at all of these different facets and just the beauty of that diamond. Well, that's what this psalm is. It's taking the most precious, pure, beautiful diamond, the Word of God, and it's examining it and it's looking at all of these different facets of it and it's seeing the beauty in it. But I want you to also notice it's not focused on the diamond. He's actually focused on the one who gave the diamond. It's, it's almost as if it's a dialogue between the psalmist and God. And he's saying, hey, God, this diamond you made, I mean, look at this. This is beautiful. And, and when I turn it this, this is so awesome. And, and I turn it that way. And, and just picture that idea of someone getting so excited and passionate about it. But as you picture it, I want to ask you a question to consider are you that passionate about God's word? Are you that passionate that when you see it, that you're like, God, this is cool. Oh, and look at this. 
you gave me your word, and I get to, and have you ever heard a kid that's just so overwhelmed with excitement that they can't even finish a sentence? That's, That's what I picture when I'm reading through this. Now, he took the time to finish out those sentences and to make it clear, but that's the kind of passion, that's the kind of delight in the law of the Lord and meditating on his word day and night that the psalmist does that back in Psalm 1 we learned about, that's what we ought to do if we want to be blessed. So I want to encourage you, as we dig into the psalm, stare deeply into the perfect prism that is this passage. In the supplemental that I passed out, I gave four things to be looking for and to take note of. I want to read those to you, and then I'll read uh, Psalm 119. Make note of the actions that the psalmist commits to do. He says, I will do something. Make note of those. Pay attention to those things. Also, um, I gave you this handout of the words that describe what God has said. Pay attention for those. Make note of those. Maybe highlight or or put a check mark, whatever it is. Uh, Notice those words that describe what God has said. Also, as we read through, make note of the actions that are described to others. There will be things that come up where he says, so-and-so does this, but I'm going to do this. Or so-and-so did that to me, and here's my response. Things of that nature. Be, be watching for and paying attention to uh, the actions that he ascribes to others as well as how the psalmist responds to those actions. Stuff's going to happen, but how do we respond to it? And then lastly, I want to encourage you to pay attention to what is done to the psalmist and what is done by the psalmist. So he's going to say, uh, for example, verse 33, he says, Teach me, O Lord. He wants, he wants God to teach him. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will observe, observe it to the end. So there's, there's something that's done to him. He wants to be taught, and then he commits to do something else, to observe it, to follow it. To the, to the very end. So, let me grab my water one more time, and then we're going to read through the entirety of Psalm 119. You, you have a crystal. So you, you know the idea of a crystal, and you can look at it, right? That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. All right. Psalm 119. If you would, follow along as I read. How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. They also do not do no unrighteousness. They walk in his ways. Thou hast ordained thy precepts, that we should keep them diligently. Oh, that my ways may be, blame, may be established to keep thy statutes. Then I shall not be ashamed when I look upon all thy commandments. I shall give thanks to thee with uprightness of heart. When I learn thy righteous judgments, I shall keep thy statutes. Do not forsake me utterly. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to thy word. With all my heart I have sought thee. Do not let me wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I treasured in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord. Teach me thy statutes. 
With my lips I have told all the ordinances of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimony as much as in all riches. I will meditate on thy precepts and regard thy ways. I shall delight in thy statutes. I shall not forget thy word. Deal bountifully with thy servant, that I may live and keep thy word. Open my eyes, that I may behold wonderful things from thy law. I am a stranger in the earth. Do not hide thy commandments from me. My soul is crushed with longing after thy ordinances at all times. Thou dost rebuke the arrogant, the cursed, who wander from thy commandments. Take away reproach and contempt from me, for I observe thy testimonies. Even though princes sit and talk against me, thy servant meditates on thy statutes. Thy testimonies also are my delight. They are my counselors. My soul cleaves to the dust. Revive me according to thy word. I have told of my ways, and thou hast answered me. Teach me thy statutes. Make me understand the way of thy precepts, so I will meditate on thy wonders. My soul weeps because of grief. Strengthen me according to thy word. Remove the false way from me, and graciously grant me thy law. I have chosen the faithful way. I have placed thine ordinances before me. I cleave to thy testimonies. O Lord, do not put me to shame. I shall run the way of thy commandments, for thou wilt enlarge my heart. Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall observe it to the end. Give me understanding that I may observe thy law and keep it with all my heart. Make me walk in the paths of thy commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my ear to thy testimonies, and do and not to dishonest gain. Turn away my eyes from looking at vanity, and revive me in thy words. Establish thy word in thy servant, as that which pro- produces reverence for thee. Turn away my reproach, which I dread, for thine ordinances are good. Behold, I long for thy precepts. Revive me through thy righteousness. May thy loving kindness also come to me, O Lord, thy salvation according to thy word. So I shall have an answer for him who reproaches me, for I trust in thy word. And do not take the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I wait for for thine ordinances. So I will keep thy law continually forever and ever. And I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. I will also speak of thy testimonies before kings and shall not be ashamed. I shall delight in thy commandments, which I love. I shall lift up my hands to thy commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on thy statutes. Remember the word of thy servant, in which thou hast made me hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, that thy word has revived me. The arrogant utterly deride me, yet I do not turn aside from thy law. I have remembered thine ordinances from old, O Lord, and comfort myself. Burning indignation has seized me because of the wicked who forsake thy law. Thy statutes are my song in the house of my pilgrimage. O Lord, I remember thy name in the night and keep thy law. This has become mine that I observe thy precepts. The Lord is my portion. I have promised to keep thy words. I entreated thy favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to thy word. 
I considered my ways and turned my feet to thy testimonies. I hastened and did not delay to keep thy commandments. The cords of the wicked have encircled me, but I have not forgotten thy law. At midnight, I shall rise to give thanks to thee because of thy righteous ordinances. I am a companion of all those who fear thee and of those who keep thy precepts. The earth is full of thy loving kindness, O Lord. Teach me thy statutes. Thou hast dealt well with thy servant, O Lord, according to thy word. Teach me good discernment and knowledge, for I believe in thy commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep thy word. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. The arrogant have forged a lie against me. With all my heart, I will observe thy precepts. Their heart is covered with fat, but I delight in thy law. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I may learn thy statutes. The law of thy mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Thy hands made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. May those who fear thee see me and be glad, because I wait for thy word. I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are righteous, and that in faithfulness thou hast afflicted me. O may thy loving kindness comfort me according to thy word to thy servant. May thy compassion come to me that I may live, for thy law is my delight. May the arrogant be ashamed, for they subvert me with a lie, but I shall meditate on thy precepts. May those who fear thee turn to me, even those who know thy testimonies. May my heart be blameless in thy statutes, that I may not be ashamed. My soul languishes for thy salvation. I wait for thy word. My eyes fail with longing for thy word, while I say, when wilt thou comfort me? Though I have become like a wineskin in the smoke, I do not forget thy statutes. How many are the days of thy servant? When wilt thou excuse, execute judgment on those who persecute me? The arrogant have dug pits for me, men who are not in accord with thy law. All thy commandments are faithful. They have persecuted me with a lie. Help me. They almost destroyed me on earth. But as for me, I did not forsake thy precepts. Revive me according to thy loving kindness, so that I may keep the testimony of thy mouth. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy faithfulness continues throughout all generations. Thou didst establish the earth, and it stands. They stand this day according to thine ordinances, for all things are thy servants. If thy law had not been my delight, then I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget thy precepts, for by them thou hast revived me. I am thine, save me. For I have sought thy precepts. The wicked wait for me to destroy me. I shall diligently consider thy testimonies. I have seen a limit to all perfection. The commandment is ex thy commandment is exceedingly broad. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Thy commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. I have more insight than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, because I have observed thy precepts. I have restrained my feet from every evil way, that I may keep thy word. I have not turned aside from thy ordinances, for thou thyself hast taught me. 
How sweet are thy words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. From thy precepts I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn, and I will confirm it, that I will keep thy righteous ordinances. I am exceedingly afflicted. Revive me, O Lord, according to thy word. Oh, accept the free will offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me thine ordinances. My life is continually in my hand, yet I do not forget thy law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I have not gone astray from thy precepts. I have inherited thy testimonies forever, for they are the joy of my heart. I have inclined my heart to perform thy statutes forever, even to the end. I hate those who are double-minded, but I love thy law. Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I will wait for thy word. Depart from me, evildoers, that I may observe the commandments of my God. Sustain me according to thy word, that I may live. And do not let me be ashamed of my hope. Uphold me, that I may be safe, that I may have regard for thy statutes continually. Thou hast rejected all those who wander from thy statutes, for their deceitfulness is useless. Thou hast removed all the wicked from the earth like dross. Therefore I love thy testimonies. My flesh trembles for fear of thee. I am afraid of thy judgments. I have done justice and righteousness. Do not leave me to my oppressors. Be surety for thy servant for good. Do not let the arrogant oppress me. My eyes fail with longing for thy salvation and for thy righteous word. Deal with thy servant according to thy loving kindness. Teach me thy statutes. I am thy servant. Give me understanding that I may know thy testimonies. It is time for the Lord to act, for they have broken thy law. Therefore, I love thy commandments above gold. Yes, above fine gold. Therefore, I esteem right all thy precepts concerning everything. I hate every false way. Thy testimonies are wonderful. Therefore, my soul observes them. The unfolding of thy words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. I opened my mouth wide and panted, for I longed for thy commandments. Turn to me and be gracious to me after thy manner with those who love thy name. Establish my footsteps in thy word and do not let any iniquity have dominion over me. Redeem me from the oppressor of man that I may keep thy precepts. Make thy face shine upon thy servant. Teach me thy statutes. My eyes shed streams of water because they do not keep thy law. Righteous art thou, O Lord. Upright are thy judgments. Thou hast commanded thy testimonies in righteousness and exceeding faithfulness. My zeal has consumed me because my adversaries have forgotten thy words. Thy word is very pure. Therefore, thy servant loves it. I am small and despised, yet I do not forget thy precepts. Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness. Thy law is truth. Trouble and anguish have come upon me, yet thy commandments are my delight. Thy testimonies are righteous forever. Give me understanding that I may live. I cried with all my heart, Answer me, O Lord. I will observe thy statutes. I cried to thee, Save me, and I shall keep thy testimonies. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I wait for thy words. My eyes anticipate the night watches that I may meditate on thy word. 
Hear my voice according to thy loving kindness. Revive me, O Lord, according to thy ordinances. Those who follow after wickedness draw near. They are far from thy law. Thou art near, O Lord, and all thy commandments are truth. Of old I have known from thy testimonies that thou hast founded them forever. Look upon my re- affliction and rescue me, for I do not forget thy law. Plead my cause and redeem me. Revive me according to thy word. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek thy statutes. Great are thy mercies, O Lord. Revive me according to thy ordinances. Many are my persecutors and my adversaries, yet I do not turn aside from thy testimonies. I behold the treacherous and loathe them, because they do not keep thy word. Consider how I love thy precepts. Revive me, O Lord, according to thy loving kindness. The sum of thy word is truth. And every one of thy righteous ordinances is everlasting. Princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in awe of thy words. I rejoice at thy word as one who finds great spoil. I hate and despise falsehood, but I love thy law. Seven times a day I praise thee because of thy righteous ordinances. Those who love thy law have great peace, and nothing causes them to stumble. I hope for thy salvation, O Lord, and do thy commandments. My soul keeps thy testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. I keep thy precepts and thy testimonies, for all my ways are before thee. Let let my cry come before thee, O Lord. Give me understanding according to thy word. Let my supplication come before thee. Deliver me according to thy word. Let my lips utter praise, for thou dost teach me thy statutes. Let my tongue sing of thy word, for all thy commandments are righteousness. Let thy hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen thy precepts. I long for thy salvation, O Lord, and thy law is my delight. Let my soul live, that it may praise thee, and let thine ordinances help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant, for I do not forget thy commandments." Wow. Wow. Can you imagine the psalmist putting together this list of reasons to praise God for his word? That's someone who meditated on God's word, who delighted in God's word, who desired to know it, to understand it, to draw from it. I'm going to guess that as we went through, there were, there were different verses that stood out to you. Um, I've read through this, I, I don't know how many times in the past and even in this week getting ready for this. And each and every time I, I read through it with a pencil in my hand and make notes, make little marks. And even as, as we were going through this time, I'm, I, I don't have the, the same one that I've been doing that on. And I'm, I'm like, oh, ooh, I got to remember that one. Because as I read through this, it causes me to stop and step back and say, do I love God's word like that? Or am I like verse 136? My eyes shed streams of water 
I'm, I'm heartbroken. Why? Because I do not because they do not keep thy law. Do I have a passion and a love for God's word, not just for myself, but for others to also love God's word? I've got a couple of takeaways that I want to encourage you to ponder and to think about. Kind of the, the so what. We can, we can read through this. In fact, you can read through God's word over and over and over, however many times you want. And if you don't allow it to affect you, if you don't consider it, if you don't ponder on it, meditate on it, what value is there? So I've got a couple of takeaways, a, a couple of ideas, or, or even a challenge, really. To write a psalm like this, one would truly have to love God's Word, to meditate on it, to spend time in it, to explore it, to seek to understand it. I want to encourage you to take this psalm, and I know it's a, it's a huge chunk, but I've, I've often heard it said, how do you eat an elephant? one bite at a time. I want to encourage you, over the next month, there are 22 sections, 22 stanzas in this. And so 22, I know a month gives you 30, 31 days in the month of February, but if you're like me, you're probably going to miss one along the way, and that's okay. Did I say February? February, March, April, May, in May. I do know what month it is. Just making sure you're awake. No, I, I sorry. <clears throat> in the next month that's coming up, in the month of May, there are 31 days. So if you miss a day, you, you only have 22 sections. So you can, you can skip out on Saturdays and miss a couple of days. But I want to encourage you, take one section, read it as soon as you get up in the morning. Read that section and ponder on it. And then when you're laying back down in bed, Read it again and just ponder that one little stanza, that, that eight-verse section. And, and obviously, we could take hours and hours. As I said, there was, there was one Puritan preacher who wrote over 1,600 pages about just this one psalm. But I want to encourage you to develop a love for God's Word like, like what is described here. And so, whether you, you dig into all of the little words, because there's, there's tons of, of things that we could dig into. One of, the, one of the ones that was interesting to me is that he uses two different words to refer to blessed. In verse 1, it says, how blessed are those whose way is blameless. But then later on, he says, blessed art thou, O Lord. That's verse 12. Blessed art thou, O Lord. Well, you start digging into it, and you find out those are actually two different words. One of them is how happy is the person whose way is blameless. And the other blessed is, I bow the knee and worship and praise the God who has given me these statutes, or who teaches me these statutes. We actually talked about that idea of blessed this morning in, in Sunday school. And so I, I would encourage you take time to dig in, use, use those resources, the strongs, the vines, dig into those. But, but for this challenge... For, for what I'm encouraging you right now, that's important, that's really good to do, but just take eight verses and meditate on it. Spend your day pondering on that. 
And, and notice, what is it talking about? What's it saying? Yes, digging into the Hebrew is, is important. It's valuable. But the amazing thing about God's word is even in English, we're able to understand what God has for us. So I want to encourage you over the next month, the month of May, not February, you can do it in February too when we get there, but in the month of May, I want to encourage you, take this psalm and each day read one stanza and, and just process through that and think on that, meditate on that as we go through. The other thing, I mentioned a few actions. There, there are some action words that take place in this. I want to encourage you as you read through it, as you go through, <clears throat> recognize what the psalmist has committed to do. And then I want to ask you, is that something that you would also commit to do the same? He says, I have treasured it. I have valued it. I want it. I desire it. Is that you? I said, as I, as I read through this in the past, and as I read through it every day, well, not quite every day, but most days this week, as I was going through it and reading through it, every single time something new stuck out to me. And that's, that's one of the beauties of God's Word, is it's, it's so fresh when we just go to it again and look at it. And honestly, I was challenged by it. I mean, I, I, I realize you would think that a pastor would love God's word, and, and he should, he better. But even a pastor can get better at loving God's word, can, can step back, can slow down to lay aside all this other stuff that goes on and just take that diamond that is God's word and examine a facet and fall in love with it again and turn it another way, and examine another facet, and love it even more. And then, in your terrible ability at writing poems, I want to encourage you, it, it's, it's just an option, you don't have to, but this, this is what I wrote. Notice I'm, I'm not holding it really where you can read it, because it's pretty pitiful. But as I went through... It was, it was just a neat exercise to me. And I would encourage you, stop, lay aside everything else, and recognize how valuable, how important is the Word of God. And can you write up something, some way in which you praise Him? And maybe you need a, a tool like the alphabet to give you that impetus to write it, because I never could have written this if I wasn't trying to come up with words that go A, B, C, D, E, F, you know. And yet, when I got done, I looked back and I'm like, oh, wow, that's cool. I need to praise God more and more and more. And that's what the Psalms help us do. But it all starts with this love of God's Word. It's not just some ethereal thing out there where we, we pick a God and we praise whoever we want to. You'll notice Psalm 1 started off, blessed is the one whose delight and whose meditation, his focus of his mind is on the word of God. This psalm is all about that. So as you go back and as you read it and as you look at it, I want to encourage you to ponder on that. There actually is one other psalm if Psalm 119 is too big of a chunk to tackle, Psalm 19 is also one that just focuses in on God's word and the passion and the love and the desire for God's word. 
So I would also encourage you to check that one out. Uh, Same idea. Now, I I started off this series and said that it's about this question of what is worship. As we go through, we're building an understanding and building an idea of what worship is. But this week's, I, I entitled it God's Standards because we cannot worship God. We cannot value him. We cannot ascribe to him the worth that he already has if we don't love his word. So, my last question for you, and then we'll pray. Do you love God's word like this? Let's pray. Dear Father, Lord, thank you for your word. God, it is so easy in this day and age, we have it accessible in our pockets most of the time, uh, on the bedside table, on the coffee table, on the shelf, all over the place. Your word is available to us. And yet it's so easy to just leave it there, to not open it, to not love it and study it and allow it to shine into our hearts and show us where we're wrong. And teach us what is right. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to have the same kind of a desire, the same kind of a delight that we've seen displayed here in Psalm 119. Lord, convict us when we fail to love your word as it deserves. Thank you, Lord, for this time that we've had to to read through this very long and yet so deep and so um, so clear, so blatant, a proclamation of the value of your word. Help us to treasure it in the same way that it's described. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.